Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. I came across the story you're about to hear when a woman named Ruby emailed into the show. She said that her boyfriend, Clark, has had a lot of frightening and bizarre experiences during his childhood. She also told me that his friends find these stories amusing, um, as you'd expect, and they make him tell them at parties, around campfires, things like that. But in reality, he's extremely disturbed and traumatized by these experiences that he's gone through. He'll tell these stories, but he usually does not tell the full thing, and he hates telling the stories. Ruby sent a summary of what had happened to Clark while he was growing up, and eventually Clark agreed to speak to us for the show. And I have to say, this is one of the most intense interviews I've ever done for Otherworld. Ruby had to sit with him during the entire interview for support, and even then, he was getting really emotional while recounting these experiences, which after hearing them is completely understandable. Clark did an amazing job telling these stories. Meeting him and hearing about his childhood definitely left a mark on me, and I'm sure it will for all of you as well. This is episode 64. The title is The Shed, and you're listening to Otherworld. Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At its core, the science you can't argue with. A story about all of a sudden. up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, I'm going to die. I'm like, just its looking. limbs were just like wrong. It's just, just there. Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute. Hi, my name's Ruby. I'm from the Los Angeles area, and I'm a music teacher. I'm a singer. I met Clark, and I would hear his stories kind of circulating in different friend groups. Um, I remember I was at a party, and someone who 
was telling this this ghost story and everyone was just I remember everyone was just like staring and there was this vibe in the room like everyone was really freaked out <laughs> and I was freaked out and then they mentioned they like yeah this is from this guy named Clark and he lives in the area or whatever and then we ended up meeting and I liked him for a really long time um, for a lot of years and it was kind of the, the type of thing where I never ever thought that we would get together and then we started talking and it was it was he's kind of my dream boat Clark is a very smart person. Like, he's the guy at a party who is gonna tell you a whole bunch of fun facts. And if you ask him a question, like, he's probably gonna have the answers. And he's very caring. Like, I think about Clark and I would not imagine him harming anybody or anything. Very caring, like, super patient. And he's also always been pretty superstitious. I would say I'm not the type of person to be very superstitious, especially back then. I just have never experienced any. Well, actually, now I have, but back then I hadn't experienced anything weird or out of the ordinary. I was really afraid of ghosts. Like, I was an anxious kid and, you know, person. You know, even now I'm kind of anxious and, you know, this stuff freaks me out. But I wasn't the type to, like, believe him at first. You know, like, that that seems kind of crazy. And... Like, trust me, Jack, like when we got together and when he would, when he was finally the one who told me the story, um, and he's told me the story many times over the years and the details just haven't changed, which is one of the reasons I believe him. Um, but at first, like I pressed him and I was like, are you sure that happened? Like, are you sure these, these scary things have happened to you? Are you sure you weren't just, you know, dreaming or just young and whatever I don't know I just but I've asked him so many times and the, it's the response that I get that really freaks me out and that really makes me believe because every time he talks about it he just has this visceral reaction like when someone's talking about something traumatic that happened to them because it was traumatic for him at least um, the big story that he'll get into um, it does make sense though that <laughs> that he does believe in the paranormal be, uh, given like kind of how he is because well first of all he's gone through so many different experiences I think like when you just kind of grow up susceptible to that kind of stuff in the position that he was in you're gonna believe and you're gonna be a little bit more superstitious well the other day I was over really late at his house and he was knocked out everybody was knocked out and recently we had a room change in the house that he's currently living in so we were on the um, or what he was on the bottom floor and then something happened and we had to move to the upstairs and a little bit of background about the upstairs. Someone in his house, yeah, he buys antiques and then he resells them. So that means that there's a lot of stuff in that room, just stuff. And like every time I would walk through it, I would, I've always gotten just a creepy feeling in there. Anyway, it was really late at night and I needed to use the restroom. I got up and, and I walked into the hallway. I went into the bathroom that's on the outside of the office and I'm doing my thing and I heard what I thought was his dog. He's got a big pit bull, he's the sweetest boy. And I thought he was just being whiny. I was hearing like this scritchy noise on the floor, like constant. Um, I was washing my hands at this point and I heard just like this scritchy noise and then whimpering, you know, like sometimes dogs sound weird when they whimper. It's kind of like, I don't know, it just sounds like a moan or almost human. Um, it sounded like that. It's probably just the dog though. I open the door and the dog's not there. Um, so I was like, okay, that's weird. 
Um, I just went back into the room. And the minute I shut the door, the scritchy noises started again. Scritchy and the whimpery noises. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? That's so weird. But I just laid in bed for a while. I was like, that's so strange. But I was like, it sounds like nails on the floor. Like, it sounds like his dog. And so after about three to five minutes or so, I was like, I, I, I gotta go check. Like, I gotta just see. And I opened the door, like, fully expecting to see his dog. And there's, there's nothing in the hallway. There's nothing there. But the difference this time is the office door that had previously been shut was cracked open. And I distinctly remember seeing that as I was going into the, the bathroom in the hallway, that it was closed. Because I close it. I get freaked out. Like, that door was shut. And it was not when I came back out. So it was scary. I eventually, like, fell asleep. I had no other choice. You know, I was awake for a while. I still heard the noises. It was like they were moving all over the floor. It wasn't just like one little spot. It was like all over in the hallway. And it sounded like something just wanted to get in. And that morning, like the first thing I told him was like, we need a sage. <laughs> I remember I didn't even say good morning, nothing. I was like, we need, we need to like, dude, something really freaky happened last night. And he was like, okay. Yeah, that's Clark. Hi, uh, I'm Clark. Um, I'm also from the Los Angeles area. I work in the health field. I'm not like a nurse or anything, but I just, I work in like a wellness center type thing, helping the elderly people who have injuries kind of get back to their best, go help them out. When I'm not doing that, I'm a student. Go Cal State Long Beach, let's rock and roll. I'm excited to start going there. Hobbies, uh, I'm a history nerd, a combat sports athlete. And apparently a, a magnet for the supernatural, which I don't know if that's a hobby, but it's it's kind of like Ruby was saying. It, it's one of those things that for me is um, it's just it's been a part of my life, and it's something that well, I don't necessarily just go around telling people. If they ask, I'll talk about it. Certain things that I've experienced are more banal, like the the scratching situation. Other experiences have been a lot less pleasant. I was probably seven, maybe, real young. The first time I really remember something out of the ordinary. Well, to me, ordinary. To other people, out of the ordinary. Um, uh, we were house hunting um, we were just looking for a place to move. And my my dad had gone into the, we would come to this house. My dad had gone in, my brother had gone in, my mother had gone in. And when I got to the, um, like the vestibule, like the doorway, the opening, I got this really uncomfortable feeling and I wouldn't go in the house. And they were like, well, let's go in the house. And I was like, no, I'm good. Somebody died here, which, for a, a seven-year-old to kind of just outwardly be like, no, something, there is death here. And the real estate agent person kind of had like a weird sour look on their face. Uh, I learned a couple years later, somebody had hung themselves in that house. My mother, we, we had just been talking about ghosts and supernatural stuff. And I, I brought up that story and she was like, well, you were 
spot on. The guy, the, the real estate agent told us that I, I don't know if there's like a law about it that you have to tell people or if he just mentioned it because some little kid freaked him out. But it was mentioned to me that, yeah, somebody had killed themselves in that house. And well, obviously we did not move into that house. Um, there was a whole other thing. I, I didn't go into the house. I wouldn't walk in. It just had a really bad energy to it. Um, I'm a big believer in energy. The vibe, if the, vi the vibe was bad, there was something just uncomfortable in that space. I wouldn't go in it. It, it felt like, kind of like when you see an off-leash dog and you're not really sure how to proceed, that kind of instinctual like, ooh, this is, this could be very bad if I don't remove myself from the situation. And little seven-year-old me decided the best thing to do was remove himself from the situation. So that's like the first, the first kind of moment that I kind of picked up on as a kid. The next big thing is one that personally weirded me out the most. When I was maybe like 10-ish, around that real kind of preteen at time, my family, we were driving out from downtown LA area. We had gone to a museum and I was sitting in the back seat of my car, looking up at the buildings and I saw a, a, a man on the top of a building walking like towards the ledge and like standing up onto the ledge of the building and little 10 year old was I, I was just kind of shook I, I was so taken aback kind of like had a basic understanding like oh people don't stand at this at the edges of buildings for good reasons and I was just kind of transfixed on this form and it stepped off the side of the building and I'm I'm watching this person fall and I'm thinking I'm watching somebody jump off a building and I'm 10 years old and I'm just so freaked out I'm like staring and he gets about it gets about halfway down the building and what I thought was a trench coat opens up and I figure you know guys falling fabric flies back and I watched this person arms spread out and the, the jacket and the arms kind of meld together into this very large black bird, like man-sized bird. And it, it swoops down and then flies straight up, just 90 degrees straight up. I knew, when, I, I, I knew enough at the time to be like, nobody is ever going to believe this. So I, uh, I, I kept my mouth quiet about that. I didn't talk about it to anyone. Just remember not looking out the windows for the rest of that trip. I looked dead ahead at my, at the back of the front seat and just, I wouldn't, I didn't turn my head the entire drive home. Fast forward about five years, five, six years. My mother had some friends over for some arts event background information all of these women are like older retired women like in their like 50s to 60s and there's this this one woman stuck out to me because she was probably in her mid-20s mid-20s early 30s area 
but she was she was she was shorter than me, probably like five seven ish. She had on a lot of jewelry, lots of necklaces, lots of earrings and rings and bracelets. She looked almost like like a caricature of a hippie. Like if you were going to ask somebody to like describe like a spiritualist hippie lady, she she looked like that. Um, but the thing that freaked me out was we, we were talking, and she got this kind of this this look on her face, like she recognized, like uh, like a realization, like when you kind of put pieces of puzzle, like you, you get that like aha moment. And she looked at me really seriously and she was like, you saw a person jump off a building and turn into a bird. Not a question. She just was like, you saw that. And I'd never told this story to anyone, not my parents. There's no way they could have related to this woman. I'd literally never spoken a word about it to anyone to that point. And I asked her how she knew and she was basically like, I just, I know it. it it's just, it, it was as if she, it was like asking her, like, do you know what color the sky is? Like, no, I, she just, she was like, no, I just know it. Very, very strange. And it freaked me out. And then she kind of just started talking to me and she was like, it's nothing to be afraid about. She started talking about like, um, like a, 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 it was like a spiritual guide kind of thing. like a guardian spirit or something to that effect of like, no, what you saw wasn't trying to scare you. It was like just trying to make itself known that it knows you can see it and it knows that it wanted me to know it was there kind of thing. And that tripped me out to have somebody relay a story back to you that you've never spoken to anyone because you thought it sounded kind of out there. The party ends little while after and I start going around asking like hey who was that lady because she left she obviously she's left quite an impression on me nobody had a clue who she was they all remember seeing her nobody knows who she knew they're all like well yeah there was that young they, they all had assumed I guess that somebody had invited her but nobody had an idea of like exactly who this lady was she just kind of showed up new things she shouldn't have known and disappeared from the party. That was weird. So the the next, there's, there's, I, I lived in this house and this, this house, I'm going to give some backstory on just the weirdness of um, this place. It was made in like the, 1920s it was an older house we we um my grandfather had moved in with us and he was he he required the use of a wheelchair we needed a a one-story house so that kind of we moved into this one place and it was old and old places can be weird there's drafts and the floors creaked but the place never felt very comfortable To me, we lived there for quite a few years and it was never comfortable. My brother and I have talked about some of the weirdness there. Um, The hallways would feel really long. Like there was only one hallway and it was basically like a shotgun style. There was one hallway, the rooms on either the left or the right side of the hallway. There was a den and the backyard, which was also really long and narrow. 
And the, the house was only, it wasn't a big house, but the hallways felt long. You know, like at airports, how they have those like really long kind of like conveyor belts for people. Kind of like that, but it's going in reverse where like you should be getting farther along in the house than you are. I hate that house. I'll be very frank. Um, that house was bad. Um, so I used to sleep in the downstairs bedroom. There was a downstairs bedroom and then there was like this upstairs kind of loft attic thing. But I slept, that's where I moved into that bedroom later, but I was staying in the downstairs bedroom when I'd like originally been living in the house. And I started hearing, I I was getting ready for bed. Um, My brother's a night owl, so he was up in the den or something. And I start hearing this weird rhythmic tapping. And I'm thinking, okay, old house, it's the pipes, it's cool. Um, And it started getting louder and louder and it became very obvious that there was a rhythm to it, like, a drum line is and from my bedroom window I could see the the outside wall of my neighbor's house it was like partially lit by the street light and I'm I I can hear this weird loud rhythmic kind of tapping, drumming sound. I open the curtain, I go to look out, and I see, I call it a shadow, but the light wasn't hitting it correctly for anything to cast a shadow. It just was like a shadow puppet. Like it was, it just was plastered on the the, the wall of this, this man appearing like with like a drum line or like that Civil War kind of little drummer boy chest rig drum thing. And it's walking and it gets really, really freaking loud as it passes by me. And then it starts um, like the Doppler effect. It gets louder as it comes in front of me. And this is all in the span of maybe 10 feet. So it doesn't make sense acoustically to get so loud, crescendo loud, fade out. And as it, it, it sort of loses its shape as it walks out into what would be the street. And I'm like craning my neck because I didn't think to open the window for some reason. I was just like plast, pl- pressed up to the glass. And it gets quiet as this thing disappears. I shut my curtains try to go to sleep, watch cartoons for a little bit, and pass out. Um, so that was weird. Every, it was as if every room in that house had something wrong with it. There was just no comfortable place in that whole freaking house. There was, I was, uh, okay, we'll just jump. We'll, we'll jump into the story that, um, Ruby heard. So there were only two bedrooms upstairs, um, each at the opposite ends of the house. There was the master bedroom at the far end of the house next to the, 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 
The hallway ends. You can either go left into the den or right into the upstairs bedroom. And then what would eventually be my room, which was at the far entry, like near the entrance of the house up the stairs, um, like off the foyer area. And I was home alone. I had a, I was sick. I, I had, I had not felt, felt well that day. I'd come home from school and I was alone in the house because, you know, my family had, was working. My brother was at school and I was, um, I'd overheard just talking and I thought, oh, maybe they left the upstairs TV on. And there's this, this, this kind of heated, hushed, like stage whisper conversation in a, a language I, I don't speak. Um, it, it sounded vaguely Eastern European, like a lot of like harder consonants and um, they're going off and it, it's, it's a, a male and female voice and they're arguing and it's talk, 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 the boy, talk, 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 the boy. Um, and so I'm like, I'm not even gonna lie. I, I I crawled towards the to the bottom of the stairs to hear what was going on. And they're they're arguing the boy, the boy, the boy, blah 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 blah. Clark. And uh, they knew my name, which was extremely upsetting. And at that point, I, I was very very much aware. This is there's there are people up there. Um, and it, 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 it stopped after they said my name and I was not happy about that whatsoever. I, um, ran back into my room and stayed there, um, until my family got home at like whatever, four o'clock or something when my brother got out of school and my mother could pick him up. This, there was there was nothing right in that house um, at all. <laughs> things things didn't work right there. The, the the hallways were weird. The the rooms were weird. There there is a a certain kind of fear when when something no, when something knows your name. Um, I'll uh. Oh, there, there was a lot of other weird things. Um, things would be out, moved out of place. Furniture shifted. Things would be on different tables and they were left on. Lights would turn off. I kept, I had a lot of reptiles and the plugs would be moved and this, this, some days the snakes would be pissed and some days they would not come out of their hides it was a bad house frankly um but this the the story um i had ta um, i'll give some backstory because you could take a minute if you want to by the way yeah could i have my water really quickly it's uh, right down there thank you 
you know what? Actually, let's take a break and we'll be right back. I've said before that I do not get scared while making this show, but what does scare me is having to log into my bank account or pay attention to my personal finances in any way. I know that's bad, and I know that it does not make sense, but legitimately, what has recently helped me is using Rocket Money. It's a personal finance app that takes all of your accounts, organizes it into one place, and helps you get everything under control. I feel a lot better using it, and I'm no longer stressed. Also, Rocket Money finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I'm not kidding when I say that I recently discovered that me and my graphic designer, Colin, were getting charged $150 a month by a design service we didn't even realize we were paying for. I wish that was a joke. Sadly, it's true. We canceled it and are no longer paying for this. Thanks to Rocket Money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com slash otherworld. rocketmoney.com slash otherworld. It's after bedtime, the kids are asleep, and the moms are out to play. We're Dina and Kristen, the duo behind the Instagram account, Big Little Feelings. I'm Dina, I'm a child therapist and mom of two who nerds out on all things neurobiology and psychology, and Kristen is a parent coach who wrangles three kids on a daily basis, here to give it to us like it is. We weren't meant to do this parenting thing alone. Consider After Bedtime your village. Follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I hate dealing with my cat's litter box. I'm pretty sure everybody else feels exactly the same way. If you don't, it's kind of weird. The less I have to think about it, the better. And I'm sure Merlin agrees. Sometimes I accidentally walk in on him while he's using the litter box, and it's very embarrassing for both of us. He looks very vulnerable in there. I always feel terrible. Pretty Litter absorbs smells so well and lasts for so long that I could truly forget about it. I could go days without scooping it or checking in. He could do his thing, and I don't have to worry about it. When I do clean up, it's very easy. There's no dust or smell. It's super simple. And, of course, the litter changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in Merlin, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. I never run out of it, and I don't have to have a huge container of litter taking up space and stinking up the room. So, Pretty Litter keeps tabs on your cat's health and keeps odors down. I think you and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as me and Merlin do. Go to prettylitter.com otherworld and use code otherworld to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com otherworld. Use the code otherworld to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I had been asked by some people years and years and years ago, um, I have very esoteric kind of like philosophical friends. And so the topic of do you believe in the afterlife comes up, came up. And I told him, yeah, I, 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 I do. And I still do. Don't think death is it. And so they're like, well, why do you feel that way? And I told him my story, which I'll, I'll get into. Um, that friend told some people at a party my story. And then my story had gotten around. Some people who had heard the story knew me. Some people didn't. Um, it got back to Ruby, which that was really weird. Weird things find their way to me. Like telling a story 
comes back to you years later from somebody who would turn out to be the most important person in your life. Very strange situation for me. So that house was old and I was talking, there was a den with a big sliding window, like the sliding glass doors and the, the, the backyard itself was a shotgun style. So it was long and thin. Um, and in the back of it, there was this shed that had been left by whoever, I guess we were renting the house from or whatever, but it was almost, it almost looked like a, like a, like a mother-in-law unit or whatever. It was just this big room with a window on the left side of the door and a window on the right side of the door and this big padlock. And you could see into the shed, but it was just filled with stuff right up to the glass. Like you could not get in there if you tried. You would have to figure out how to get the lock off and then pull things out just to even step foot into it. And one day I was home alone. My dad was at work. My my mom had taken my brother out for something. And I was sitting in the living room or the den watching TV. And I hear my dog start going off. Um, and that, that was a, that, that's a sweet dog. Like never harmed a fly, dumber than a sack of rocks, just like a teddy bear that we had to feed. Like she was a baby, just the, the sweetest dog. And she was pissed. If, if, if you've never heard something fight for its life, it's, it's a very specific kind of sound that just like pouring everything into wanting to keep something away from you. And so I thought, oh shit, we had an avocado tree in the yard and there's raccoons that eat our avocados. I thought maybe she had gotten into it with the raccoon or a couple raccoons because I'd seen several of them at one time before. And so I'm thinking, shoot, my dog's getting attacked. So I'm hauling it out of the den and she is standing in the middle of the yard. Like, if I, I, re- I, I swear to God, if you measured the yard, she would have been in the center and she was staring directly into the shed. And I run over to her expecting that there's like a raccoon under her and she's like got it or something. Um, and she's just dead on locked with the shed. And when I get to her and I like put my hand on her, she bolts straight back to the house, just yelping, sprinting into the house. And so I'm like, what's going on? Um, And I look over in the shed and um, there's a woman in the shed. There's this white, kind of fuzzy I call it a woman because that's the closest approximation had the like the the flowingness kind of like a dress so I've always just said it's a woman and she was just in the shed 
and it starts to like kind of come to a more like solid shape. And it starts walking. Um, from the right side window past the door to the left side and it, it comes back around to the right and it, it it turned and there was like there was no face blank doesn't describe it right like a piece of paper is blank and white but this was empty and I couldn't take my eyes off of it and I I, I started feeling this horrendous rage I wasn't scared of it at all I was angry I, I was it, it, it's it's a bad feeling I, I I'm I, I, I it was as if every nerve was on fire like I was it, I, it, it, it was not a, a good. It was not a good feeling. It was. It was death. It was something. I've never been so violently angry in my entire life. And I just remember locking, locking eyes. My eyes were locked on it, and feeling like could like I could kill something. Like it was bad. <laughs> And then the next thing I know, I'm on the opposite end of my house, up a flight of stairs, on my bedroom floor. And my chest hurts. And I had these, uh, like, scratches from my, my left collarbone down and it had, I had lost 45 minutes had passed I was watching TV before the, my dog went off and like an episode had just started and like the episode was over the time was gone and I just remember bawling just I start sobbing and I literally just sat in my on the floor, like kind of huddled like a baby, just sobbing for what felt like a long time Un until I kind of got it together. And I never went past the avocado tree ever again. My dog never went past that avocado tree ever again. And I don't remember anything else from that day. That, that kind of moment was kind of seared and locked down in my head 
and the rest. I don't know what happened after I cried. I don't remember really when my family came home. I remember I, I remember I never talked to him about it until years and years and years after, like into my 20s. At this point, my parents had separated, um, so I'd only really spoken to it with my dad. Um, he is not the biggest believer. He's had some experiences later, and at at that time, he had not had experiences. But later in his life, he had had experiences. Um, but he he knows me, and. Obviously, it's a very hard thing for me to talk about without crying and being very emotional about it because it still kind of wells in me that like very that that same feeling of just fear and so he 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 just was like whether or not he believed me, he believed that whatever experience I had had um freaked me out and yeah that lady in the shed was if 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 there are demons and there are really are just evil entities that was that that was it, or at least I hope so. Because if there are things worse than that, the way that thing made me feel, I didn't really feel human in that moment. It it was an evil feeling. And it felt worse because it wasn't like, oh, I'm witnessing evil. It was this thing would make, made me feel capable of evil, of violence. And I'm not a violent person whatsoever. Like, I, I won't even kill a spider. And so that, that left quite an impression on me. Um, so that, that was the story that I told my friend who <laughs> decided that's a great story to tell at parties. Um... The house that I currently live in, when we first moved in, I had a cat. She has since passed. I like the house that I live in. I might not like the architecture of it, but the the energy of the house is usually pretty good. We used to have this little radio in the kitchen. And the radio would start changing channels really fast. Like as if like, you know, like when you let a little kid press play with a knob and it goes, it changes really fast back and forth. They're just playing with it. The spoon drawer would rattle like as if somebody was trying to pry it open. It wasn't locked, but it was just shaking and it was loud because it's silverware. And I started seeing this shadow in the corner of my eye and every time I turned to try to look at it it would dip out of my peripheral it was very weird and the the part that messes me up about it is that I could talk to it I could ask it to stop and it would stop and 
Like, it's like, hey, stop rattling the spoons. Stop changing the channel. And it would stop. And I, uh, my mother was living with us still at the time. I asked her, I was like, hey, have you seen anything weird? I didn't tell her anything, what I had been seeing. And she's like, oh, the shadow guy messing with the radio, right? Spot on. Uh, so we jokingly started calling it Chad as just kind of like an inside joke. But the thing about the being henceforth known as Chad didn't like my cat. Anytime the cat would come into the room, everything would stop. Like the, the whole kitchen could be going bananas. Cat would walk in. Done. Everything, the radio turn off. Spoons would stop rattling. And I was living on the bottom floor and the way this house is built, there's only one bedroom on the bottom floor. Um, and so I had a conversation. I decided when, one night to have a conversation with Chad. And I was basically, I, 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 I laid it out for him. I was like, look, you were here first. I get it. We're encroaching on your space. But you have to understand that we're here now. But there was never any kind of aggression with it. It was very much just like, oh, yeah, there's this there is this, there is something here that wants to be known. And so I was like, look, I don't care if you're here. I don't care about the radio. I don't care about the spoons. All I ask is that you stay out of my bedroom. Whole house, you can walk around, you can mess with stuff, you know, don't hurt anybody. Just stay out of my bedroom and we're good. And for a couple weeks, things are great. Sometimes the spoons rattle. Sometimes the radio goes weird. Um, my mother and I would kind of give each other looks and we're like, oh yeah, Chad's about. Things are weird going on. Still see him in the corner of your eye when just kind of like, just watching, wondering who's, who's, who are these, these people in my space. Chad broke the deal. He's in my room, getting ready for bed. And I, you know how you can kind of feel something watching you? And so I was getting ready to go to bed and I felt something. And so I look up, trying to look around my room and above my bed, is a vaguely bluish man's face. Probably in his late 60s, wide-eyed, staring down at me. Turn on the light, still there. leap out of bed and I am pissed like I, I felt very disrespected in my own space and that's when I got out my I smudge I don't I won't sleep I won't live in a space that I don't cleanse um 
and I was mad. I, I, I annoyed my family because I was going around my bedroom saying we had a deal. I asked for one thing. I told you you can go anywhere in the house, but right in my room. And what do you do? You went in my room. So now I need you out. You're not welcome here. Um, I, I sprinkled salt on my windows frames. I, I cleansed my entire space. And then I made my entire family open up every door in the house and I smudged the entire house. I went through an entire smudge stick and I, I my mother got it my brother dealt with it and my dad thought I was ridiculous but I went through the whole house saying you're not welcome here you have no I, I literally made sure there was nowhere to hide um corners under furniture everything spoon stopped rattling radio stopped changing shadow man Chad stopped showing up. And it, 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 to give context, this was a, a several day, times daily thing to have to have, you know, things rattle and radios change. I don't know if he was in the house first, if he came with us, if something, if he was like, hey, there are people who are perceptive of me. But after that, the house was quiet and never had any, anything truly strange happen for years in that house until the shift into upstairs, old stuff being brought into the house. Then there was the scratching incident that Ruby talked about. And I still wanted to be respectful to whatever is up there, whether it is still or not, because I don't like going in that office. There's so much old things in there. There's too much in there. See, I don't know if uh, superstitious is a good word for, I think it's the word that most people would understand. Because if you tell people, well, from my personal experience, if you sprinkle salt on a barrier, if you do smudge, if you carry if you put iron nails over a doorway, you know, the things that to a lot of people seem completely ridiculous. Um, but if you've lived a life where that stuff works, doesn't seem so ridiculous, you know? Like, it's like buying bear mace. You know, you have it, but if you need it, you're certainly going to feel like a fool if you don't have it. And I don't need to feel like a fool. I don't need to come and I don't want to come into contact with anything ever again that can provide me with the kind of fear that I have felt before from something supernatural, preternatural, whatever you want to call it. I have seen enough things that people don't all agree exist. But if I can if I can talk to something and it responds to me and I can argue with it, have a boundary crossed and then do what some people would think is a crazy ritual. If it works, is it crazy?
Okay, thank you so much to Clark for telling us those stories. I know it was not easy to do that. And thank you as well to Ruby for bringing us the story in the first place and joining us for the episode. I think with this one, if I were to read the exact same set of stories written out on the internet somewhere, I'd probably be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) This is somebody's creative writing project. Just sounds too ridiculous to believe. I probably would have tried to write it off or just automatically written it off, you know, and ignored it. But having it told to you by a grown man who's breaking down and struggling to get through describing what he went through, that's not so easy to write off or ignore. It's very in your face and yeah, it's a, it's way different. And I think a lot of people have stories like this that they never tell or they're only telling a partial version of it because it is something so hard to talk about and it's not a fun campfire ghost story. I don't know what it is exactly that Clark experienced, possibly is still experiencing, or whether any of these stories are connected to each other, but I really sincerely hope he doesn't go through anything like that again. Clark, you seem like a very, very nice person, but if I were in your shoes, I don't know if I'd be as polite as you are with whatever it is in your house. Maybe it's time to set some firmer boundaries. I I think you deserve it. I don't think you need to cohabitate with whatever it is that's in the house with you, Ruby, and your roommates. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you need a palate cleanser after this one, which I'm sure many of you do, we have actually a very, very lighthearted Patreon episode coming later this week. One that's not scary at all. I'd say it's the opposite of scary been excited to make it for a while if you want to listen to that it'll be on our patreon later on once again thank you so much to clark and ruby for coming on the show and telling us these stories this has been episode 64 the title is the shed and you've been listening to otherworld otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself jack wagner our theme song is by Coberman. the soundtrack of this episode is by juice jackal This episode was edited by Theo Krantz and engineered by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. Production help by Nikki Kate Delgado and Haley Pearson. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends about Otherworld. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash otherworld. We have a pretty exciting one this week, like I said, something I've been thinking about for a while. Our social media is at OtherworldPod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you to the team at Odyssey. J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us your story at storiesoftheworldpod.com.